Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to another edition of the SEC Football Show here on the Big Three Roll-Up Network. I am Chris Landry. If you don't know me, I am a veteran coach and scout at the college and NFL level, longtime NFL scout, college coach, NFL coach. And uh, I'm here to take you through all the uh, machinations that go on inside the SEC every week right here as we're breaking down the games this time of year, of course. we got a lot to get to. Uh, as I said, we're part of the Big Three Roll-Up Network. Uh, we're really excited. We're kind of switching things up a little bit. Got TJ, who's the brains behind all of this operation, is going to join us a little later. He's going to have his uh, TJ's takes on a number of things around the conference, including Florida, A&M, Auburn. So be sure to check out for that. As we mentioned, TJ, uh, so instrumental in putting this in play uh, at the start of the season. Um all a conference podcast. This is the SEC football show. We have the ACC football show, the Big Ten football show, the Pac-12 football show, the Big 12 football show. We've got one for every league, and we cover the group of five teams within the region. So we're going to get into a lot of the different uh, issues going on around uh, the world. So we're really excited about it. Check us out. Check out the college football podcast every Tuesday, every Thursday. It is dropped we take a national view of the college game. And for your NFL fans, every Tuesday and Thursday, the NFL podcast. My role right now in the world of football is I serve as a coaching and scouting consultant to college and NFL teams using my background as a longtime college coach, recruiting coordinator, NFL scout, NFL administrator. So, you know, we have a lot of fun with it, and that's where LandryFootball.com comes in. You can find all these podcasts on LandryFootball.com. Then you can find out how to subscribe to the podcast so you can go to your phone. So we've got a lot to give to you. LandryFootball.com takes you in-depth, greater in-depth than I'm able to do to here on even these podcasts. So you want to check it out. Take advantage of that. It's a really good opportunity to get inside the game, learn the game from a coaching and scouting perspective. So check out LandryFootball.com today and make sure you take advantage of the 50% discount that um, we have. Um, it was an interesting week in the SEC. If you look at some of the results, we're going to get into all the games, but 
controversy at the end of the Ole Miss. LSU's offense rolls. Alabama continues to be Alabama. Mississippi State gets up on the, off the mat against Kentucky. They've got quarterback issues. Big win in College Station for the Auburn Tigers. Tennessee does not amount to anything of its fight against the Florida Gators. Missouri takes South Carolina behind the woodshed, an embarrassing loss for Arkansas. And Georgia gets it done. Maybe not the way some might have thought, but they got it done between the hedges against the Irish. So where do we start? Well, I want to get uh, into a couple of things. I want to start off um, with Georgia here and their game against Notre Dame and what they were able to do. I, I, I hear a lot, and I hear a lot of consternation among Georgia fans that that was not good enough, and we got to open up the offense. And a couple of things that you have to understand about how Georgia chooses to play, how they want to play. Uh, it's not the best that they could have played. But they, for the most part, are not going to blow people out. They're a line of scrimmage team. They're a run-based team. They're built around the offensive line. They can throw the football. The receivers are improved. The quarterback is outstanding. The defense was lights out against Notre Dame. This is a really good team. You can tinker with a few things. One, you can't make mistakes, particularly in a one-two possession type game, which this was for most of it. You can't fumble a punt deep inside your territory. Um, Notre Dame was able to capitalize on that. And I thought Brian Kelly had a great game plan. And, you know, I thought Georgia wore down Notre Dame, and that's what they do to most people. Against the teams that they've played to this point during the year, they've blown them out. It's not something they're going to be able to do against a Notre Dame. <clears throat> but if you're one thing, if I were to, to assess and say what they could potentially do better, I would say this. I would say they have to do a better job of being more effective in the red zone against good opponents, be a little bit more aggressive and maybe taking advantage of some opportunities in the passing game. Get some early points, and then you can begin to work your four-minute offense. I think it's great. I love the four-minute offense. Anybody that's heard me on different platforms knows how I think that has a much, much more effective impact on your opponent is when you can wear down folks and then score touchdowns at the end of a long, sustained drive. I just think that's great. But I also think that if you play that and you're not effective in the red zone, then you're dealing with one mistake, one turnover, one tip ball could put the game in peril, even if you're controlling it at the line of scrimmage. In essence, I thought Georgia controlled the game when I looked at the tape a little bit more than the score indicated. And that's something that I think they can work on and improve. So we'll see how it plays out going forward. Um, you know, Florida will bring about some challenges. Uh, Auburn will bring about some challenges. Then eventually I think Alabama will bring out the ultimate challenge. But there again, um, I think they're going to want to play those games. Like, like for example, I don't think it would make sense for Georgia to try to go up and down the field with an Alabama or an LSU. 
I think they want to play it at the line of scrimmage. But I think you've got to force defenders in the box, and I think you need to be more productive in the red zone because you're going to need to have some points. You may not need to score 40, but you're probably going to need to score 24-28. And I think if you can get an early lead, then you can play ball control. Then I think that's kind of the formula. And if you don't work the two-minute offense a little bit more, just like if you don't work the four-minute offense, you become less capable of running it and eating clock and putting the game away, well, when you don't work the two-minute offense, you become out of rhythm, and when you need to score and people are stopping the run, then are you as confident taking advantage of it? Some things that I think they need to keep in mind. So that was some thoughts there. Um, some other things uh, I thought were really interesting in the game was just the um, – Brian Kelly mentioned it was one of the more physical games that he ever had. Um, you know, Notre Dame, uh, at the three straight, um, after, if you really look at it, um, Brian Kelly's got this program to where they're better and better. People will knock on it. For example, they're 8-29 against top 10 teams since after the 1996 season. So it's been a tough stretch where Notre Dame's trying to get – they're recruited at a different level, different type of players. I think Brian's done a really good job. But but you see that they're still a ways away physically. Uh, Clemson, more explosive last year in the playoffs, and I think Georgia was just too physical. Books had, Book had two interceptions, uh, and it killed him. I, I thought Georgia's defense was outstanding. Uh, they got a test. Um you know, we'll see. They go to Tennessee. They've got, they've got, you know, some time to work on some things. But I do think that they have developed their receiving core. Lawrence Cager's outstanding. Um, Jake Fromm, again, I thought made plays. Was very efficient, 11 for 12 in the first half. But he just went for 59 yards. So they, they're going to have to be able to push the ball down the field more. Yes, they're running the football well. Yes, they have a lot of backs. But they've and, – and starting to get a little bit of injuries. Solomon Kinley went, went off. So we'll see if they can – they're banged up on the offensive line. So we'll see how this, this plays off. Isaiah Walker was um, – had some issues. So, listen, Demetrius Robinson participated. Um, you know, this is a really good team. I would not panic if I were Georgia. And I get a lot of the questions about is – Kirby Smart, uh, a bad in-game coach. Folks, he's not a bad in-game coach. He certainly made mistakes. But to make the halftime adjustments against Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl, to have that type of game plan against Alabama the last two times they played, I don't think you realize how good you have to be to get that done. He's done a really good job. Yeah, sure, there's a fake punt call here. Maybe you should open up the offense there. I mean, that whole part, I get it. He hasn't won a national title. You know, but the the whole hysteria in this modern-day world, I get it. The panic is that the guy's like in his third year as a head coach. This is the same type of crap that they said about Bobby Bowden and Tom Osborne. And those guys have been coaching for a dozen years. Now, if Kirby's having the same problems 
10 years from now, then it's an issue. Then it's a story. Right now, they're just damn good. They're a good team. They're well-developed. They're well-coached. They're talented. I don't know that they're going to win a championship this year. I don't know if they're going to beat Alabama. I don't know if they're going to win. I don't know that. What I know is they're pretty good. And I do recognize the areas they need to improve. And I think they do as well. But I think he's taken Georgia to places that, quite frankly, they've not been. They've not been. I mean, that early 80s stretch with Dooley was special. But this is a program that's underachieved, and Georgia is not underachieving right now. Because there's this assumption that if you get there to the playoffs, you should automatically win it. That's not the case. That is not the case at all. They're there. They deserve to be there. They've earned their way there. And my guess is they're going to get over the top at some point. I don't know when it's going to be, but I think that the key is, are you good enough to be in it? Because you got to be in it, meaning you got to be in the mix to win it. And I think they're going to be in the mix. So may not be quite to the liking of the Georgia fans, but you're better off than you've been in a long time from a head coaching standpoint where other coaches – Definitely underachieved. Kirby is absolutely not. I thought Auburn was very impressive against Texas A&M. I thought they had a good game plan. I thought they were very physical. And let me just say this off the the top about Texas A&M. There's this belief they were at home. People judge teams based upon what they hear, what they read. They don't study film. They don't see the things. They're not as talented as Auburn. I said it at the beginning of the year. A&M should be 7-5. and five. Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, Auburn, and LSU are all more talented. They all should beat A&M. I, I think A&M should win the rest of the games. But I think they're better than those teams. But I don't think they're as good as the five teams that I mentioned. I don't know if they're going to be 7-5 and five or not. It does not mean that they're not on the path to do some special things. Now, that depends upon if the recruiting continues to be as good as it's doing right now. Right now, here's what they're dealing with. Here's what's happening when you break down the film. And the eye in the sky doesn't lie. They don't have a running game. And, you know, this offense, Jimbo's offense, the importance of the running game in any offense is pivotal. And good offenses. And they're not running the football well enough, and they're putting a lot on Kellen Mond. They're probably going to need Kellen Mond more involved in the run game. And if they can't, they're going to they're gonna struggle some. And, and maybe there are a couple of other games that could be in peril because of it. I think the defensive line is playing their butt off. I think they're very good. Auburn is that much better. Auburn is the real deal defensively. They've got speed at receiver. And if they can begin to run, begin to run the football with more consistency, you know, Bo Nix is fine. He can make plays. Can he put a team on his back and throw it 50 times? and take? No, that's not him. That's not his thing. That's not how they're built. That's not what they need to do. 
and it won't work if they had to do that. But what they can be very good with is running the football and having Bull making some big-time plays, and I think they can be very successful. So um, I thought that uh, – you know, I think Bull Nix is getting better and better, um, but they're going to play to that strength. they got to – uh, Joey Gatewood in there a little bit. They're trying to get that offense to where they can score a lot of points so they can match up against an LSU, match up against a Florida. That's coming up. Um, I thought, you know, part of the problems with the play up front for A&M led to some sacks, fumbling on the first down, you know, just out of rhythm. The defense, I thought, again, forced some, forced some punts. Um, my takeaway is that Knicks was solid, only should get better. The defense kept A&M off balance most of the day. Good all-around game. Going to have a home game next week before they travel to Florida. For A&M, you know, I think they came out a little flat, but a lot of it is they don't have a real identity on offense without a running game, and that's going to be a problem. They got to play Alabama. They got to play Georgia. You got to play Elliott. We know that they're going to struggle, but. Team's got to grow up a little bit, get a little bit better, uh, and we'll see. Um, I thought Whitlow was pretty solid. I thought Jamon Osborne was really good for A&M in a losing effort. Uh, I thought Shedrick, um, excuse me, Kellen Mann was um, really struggled. Uh, I thought he did some good things in the second half. A couple of touchdown passes, got a little bit of a rhythm, but you know, again, getting that running game worked out is going to be pivotal so that they don't have some of those games that play out down the stretch in a negative way. LSU continues to be very impressive on offense. Um, I'm going to start there. They're explosive. The real key is Joe Burrow. He's able to run this aggressive offense. The receivers are outstanding. Jamar Chase has been great. They're off to a great start. Um, it, it's just incredible with the ability them to be able to work the passing game probably better than I've ever seen at LSU, maybe in my lifetime. It's been an awfully long time. you got to go back into the age where the offenses were never this explosive in the 60s and the 70s, um, and, and, and this is the best we've seen in some time. Um I think they've got a lot of weapons. I think they've banged up a little bit. But I think they've got a lot of weapons, and there's no question that Burrow's been outstanding. Vanderbilt scored way too many points. LSU led 28-7 after the first quarter, 38-17 at halftime, and 59-31 after the third. Um, they got to play better with the lead. They've got to establish the running game, or it's going to be a problem. The defense is giving up a lot of points. Listen, defensively, they're having some problems. They're not tackling very well. There's some young guys who are making some missed assignments. There's some missed assignments there. But, you know, they're on the field too much. And they're going to be – look, I, you know, people – a lot of people don't care if you're winning by 35 points and if you're giving up 35 points. Well, that catches up with you over time. Um, I think there's some – Terrence Marshall had some injuries. Um, you know, we'll see where that plays out. 
Michael Divinity's hurt an ankle. That doesn't look like it's going to be a series. We'll see going forward. But Clyde Edwards-Alaire rushed the football very well, continues to play well. Uh, I thought Keyshawn, John did a, Keyshawn uh, Vaughn did a good job for Vanderbilt. Uh, Riley Neal struggled, you know, but, but was still pretty effective when he needed to be. Uh, and he had some success, again, against an LSU defense on the field way too much. I do not buy into the fact that LSU is a playoff team, national playoff team, until they can play defense a little bit better and they can play a four-minute offense better. That's not going to get them where they need to be. That needs to be improved. They're close. I think it'll setting up to be a great game potentially against Alabama. They've got hurdles against Auburn and Florida at home. Two games LSU should win, but those are defenses that are pretty good. But LSU will score some points on them. Um, And yet, you know, can Florida and Auburn maybe control the game offensively against them? That's going to be some interesting matchups. But all is happy and fruitful in Tigerland, uh, but there's some – there's some areas they need to improve upon, no question. Um, Ole Miss, Cal, maybe the storyline was the latter of the game, but I think the storyline is how well Cal played and continues to play. Cross-country road trip, early kickoff. That's 9 a.m. for them, body clock time. Um, they played well. Justin Wilcox is really doing a great job. Um you know, it, it was not a real clean game. I thought I think Ole Miss has improved, but it wasn't a really clean game for them. Um, you know, I, I look at improvements and I see areas where you know Matt Corral did some good things, Plumlee did some good things, uh, but you know they had 520 yards of total offense. That's pretty good against pretty good defense, but they've got to be more efficient and finish a little bit better. Defensively, I, th- I thought they they had some loose ends that they need to clean up. But thought Elijah Moore was outstanding at receiver for him. Um, Plumley did a good job when he came in, moved the team, ran the football well. Matt Corral again, I think, is doing a nice job. So, look, I mean, this Ole Miss team is is getting to they're jumping into the from the you know the fire the frying pan to the fire. Now, they've got Alabama. They're getting into the conference schedule. I, I thought that was a game they could have won and they could have as the Memphis game. I, I think we're going to see, while there was improvements, we're not going to see it in the, in the record because the schedule is going to get very, very difficult for Ole Miss. If you look at it, um, after they've got Alabama, Vanderbilt's doable. Not likely to go on the road and beat Missouri or beat A&M at home or Auburn. So New Mexico State, maybe Mississippi State, are only two games that are potentially winnable on their schedule. So they've got a win against Arkansas, a win against Southeast Louisiana. So bowl game is not in the cards for Ole Miss. They're, they're going to get hammered, and what you hope for them is they don't get taken completely out of the season in how they – will potentially lose uh, against Alabama this week. Um, speaking of Alabama, um, 
they kind of mosey on. I, I'm impressed what they're able to do. This is a pretty good Southern Miss team. So Alabama scores points. But what I'm seeing a little bit with Alabama is the ability to kind of, you know, they, they can explode. Two and those receivers can score on anybody. Um, and, and certainly Southern Miss, anybody, they're going to have a hard time covering those guys. But, you know, there were 91-yard scoring drives. They possessed the football. Najee Harris gained 110 yards, moved the football well. Um, you know, I, I think they have the ability to be able to possess the football and run a four-minute offense. They're not there yet from their optimal level where they want to be, but they're getting there. Now, they're banged up on defense. They've got some work to do there. But this, you can see, they get what needs to be done, and they're still the team to beat. And it's them, it's Georgia, and there is a gap. Uh, I know people are excited about LSU and the offense, but there's a gap between between them. I, I think that that Alabama and Georgia are one tier, and then then it's LSU and Auburn in the next tier in the SEC. Um, we'll see. Um, looks like Terrell Lewis may get back next week. That's important. Uh, and again, right now they have to outscore people early, but you know they're not getting into those. You know they're not winning games forty-nine to thirty-eight. They're not winning it 60-38. to 49-7 is it's what you want to do to take care of business. You not only score points, but you can control the game, and they're doing a good job of that. Who's not doing a good job is the Tennessee Volunteers. Um, no answers. None against Florida. They're just they're a really bad team. The, the quarterback situation's a mess. Maurer played. Garantano played poorly. Maurer didn't play all that well. It'll be interesting to see if they give him more reps or not. I thought it was the most complete game in Florida. I said that I think their offense could be better with Trask. I think they are at this point. They need a couple of defensive stands to beat Miami in the opener. But, you know, and um, they leaned on Trask to come from behind against Kentucky, but they're playing well. Jonathan Grenard has been outstanding. He's been their MVP. He has been the best player on that team this year. The Louisville transfer had four tackles, two for losses, three pass breakups, a forced fumble. You know, his deflection that prevented a touchdown. I mean, just, just incredible, really good. Um, they were without C.J. Henderson. They were out without Janinga. Both had ankle injuries. Kadarius Tony's missing. Donovan Steiner suspended. Uh, look, I mean, they dominated the game, and I think Florida's getting better and getting more confident. And I think they're getting more out of that offense. So whether they're good enough to beat Georgia, whether they're good enough to beat LSU, we shall see. But right now things are going well. For Tennessee, again, Jawan Jennings caught seven passes. Looking at some individual performances in the game. Um, Freddie Swain caught three passes and a score for Florida. But Ventrell Miller um, is another guy we need to watch with an injury. Um, Kyle Trask, again, just going over his numbers on his uh, breakdown sheet. 
2028, 293 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, you know, Trask did get two picks. And that's something that that plagued Franks. The one in the red zone is tough. He, just unacceptable. But, you know, um, it didn't hurt him in a game like that, but but it, it will going forward. So we'll see. He's he's doing a nice job. He's making good decisions, so we'll see where it takes him. Um, and, again, Tennessee's situation is a little bit more dire. Um, let's see who else I have. Oh, Mississippi State, Kentucky. Kylan Hill, uh, you're talking about MVP candidate in the league. Nobody's been as consistent. I thought I talked about Jonathan Grenard, but um, for Mississippi State, Kylan Hill's been outstanding. 120 yards, three touchdowns, big win for Mississippi State. They needed to rebound after that performance against Kansas State, against a Kentucky team that doesn't have any answers right now. Um, uh, you know, the quarterback situation, uh, Garrett Strader started in place of Tommy Stevens. We'll see where the injury situation takes him. But um, Schrader played the entire second half last week, and – you know, he's making some plays for him, managing the offense. Kentucky's just not really good. I, they're just not good at the quarterback position. Cavoisi uh, Smoke, good player. Um, can't, Kentucky couldn't convert on two of their four field goal attempts. Couldn't finish. Um, thought the defense set the tone early. Willie Gay had the early interception of Sawyer Smith. He returned it for a touchdown. Thought that really put him in the hole. You put Kentucky in the hole and having to play from behind playoff schedule, they're not going to be successful. Uh, you know, the defense is starting to get a little bit better. It's their state. The quarterback situation kind of drives it. And look, they looked like a much better team than the one that played against Kansas State. So uh, Kentucky, on their hand, they've got the ability – to move the football down the field, they play well up front. They can run the football, but they can't get behind in game. So we'll see. Lynn Bowden played well. A.J. Rose also ran well. He had 105 yards in his own right. So Smoke and Rose are really good. Um, Sawyer Smith. You know, now he's got the injury that's maybe affecting his play, but he's not playing all that well. We'll see how it plays out in the quarterback situation and where it takes him going forward. Missouri, South Carolina. Um, really concerned about this South Carolina team. Um, Alinsky, uh misread a run pass option play, threw the ball right to Ronnell Perkins, who returned it in the red zone all the way, you know, 100 yards for a touchdown. Um, South Carolina had 16 yards rushing. It's the biggest thing I put my finger on as to their problems. They simply cannot run the football well enough. And without running the football like they need to, they're going to be in trouble. And it's one of the more perplexing things that we've just not been able to figure out is why they can't run the football. They've had plenty of time to get that understood and figured out, and if they can't run it, they can't get better play up front, and that's been part of the problem. Staff, the development of the run game just hasn't been very good. It's putting a young quarterback in harm's way. 
And this Missouri, on the other hand, the defense was dominating. They shut down the run game, and they forced South Carolina to the air. That's what people are going to do. So, listen, Helensky, he threw for 600 yards in his first two starts. But they had, you know, looking at And I know that there's some soreness in his elbow and there's things that are going on. But, you know, you, you've got to figure out a way to run the football. If you can't, it's going to be a big-time problem. Um, I thought the Missouri safeties, Bledsoe and Gillespie, played really well. Um, they created some havoc in both the pass and the run game with their pressures. Um, and South Carolina's, you know, got a lot of work to do. And Will's Will needs a win big time. Big time against Kentucky this week. Roundtree was good for Missouri. I thought Brian Edwards did a good job for South Carolina. Kelly Bryant was very efficient. Continues to play well. Did have the one pick. Um, so, there's some work to do. Speaking of work to do, I, I can't quantify how much work needs to be done at Arkansas. I, I think this is maybe the worst loss this year. Maybe even against Tennessee losing to Georgia State. South Carolina, much like Tennessee to Georgia State, was pushed around. San Jose State pushed them around. Uh, it's really embarrassing performance. Um, Arkansas may be the worst team in the SEC. Two of Starkle's picks came after he and Arkansas's offense marched into the red zone. But in an overthrow that was picked off, you can't make bad throws or bad decisions. You turn the football over, and it doesn't matter how much better you appear to be, you're not going to be better when the game's over. San Jose State scored on each of its final three possessions of the first half. The defense couldn't get off the field for Arkansas. They had unbelievable, you know, improbable third down conversion. Um, kind of propelled San Jose State into its third first half touchdown. Five-yard pass over the middle on third and ten should have ended the Spartans' drive, but instead he turned up field trying to force his way through Trey Walker. Finished with 161 yards, 12 catches. Picked up 20 yards. Just Arkansas, just very bad job defensively and offensively too many mistakes so five interceptions um now three or more of his passes bounced into the hands of the defenders but he didn't play well they didn't catch the ball well really struggled really struggled um you know i got a long way to go a long way to go and well it's the first time san jose state's only won a couple of games Last couple of years, and we got a long way to go being a really good team. So, got a lot of concerns about Arkansas at this point. Um, as I don't know that there's a win on their schedule, there'll probably be one, but don't tell me where, when, or how. Game balls in the SEC. Got to go with Joe Burrow. Got to go with Jake Fromm. Did a really good job. Kylan Hill. He's got more game balls. Uh, he he could he could. Uh, he doesn't have enough place in his trophy case for the game balls that we've given out. It's just outstanding. I thought DeAndre Swift was outstanding. Najee Harris was good. Keyshawn Vaughn was good. 
Receiver, I thought Jamon Osborne of A&M did some good things in a loss. Jamar Chase was outstanding. Ruggs was outstanding. Kalijah Linscombe did a good job. Lawrence Cager did a good job. Jerry Judy did a good job. Tight end, I thought Daniel Parker from Missouri did a good job. Kyle Pitts of Florida did a good job. On the offensive line, Alex Leatherwood and Jedrick Willis of Alabama did a really good job. Austin Deckless of LSU and Lloyd Cushenberry. At center, did a good job. Uh, Adrian McGee of LSU did a good job. Um, at guard, Evan Neal at Alabama also did a good job. Um, Darian Parker at guard from Mississippi State did a good job, as did Lander Dickerson of Alabama. Um, edge defenders on defense. Jonathan Grenard again <clears throat> has been outstanding. Chauncey Rivers of Mississippi State really had a good game. Marlon Davidson was outstanding, um, as was Derek Brown. Man, you know, but the, the edge guys, Marlon Davidson, Aaron Sterling of South Carolina, Javon Kinlaw did a good job inside. Derek Brown was a beast. Roquan Davis is starting to play better. Tyler Shelvin did a good job. Linebacker K.J. Britt, T.J. Brunson, uh, linebacker Lakia Henry, Linebacker Nick Bolton of Missouri. Derek Stanley did a good job at corner for LSU. Javaris Davis did a good job at Auburn. Devon Wilson did a good job at Georgia. Cameron Dancer at Mississippi State. Safety, I thought Cameron Curl of Arkansas. J.R. Reed of Georgia. Um, at safety, Jacoby Stevens of LSU. Theo Jackson of Tennessee. Marco Wilson of Florida. As well as D.J. Dando at Georgia. Kind of uh, wrapped up uh, game balls for this week. Not a over-inclusive list. Those were the guys that I thought by position graded out the best this past week. Let's look ahead to the schedule. Before we do, how does the conference stack up? Uh, stack up? Well, I do think it's Alabama-Georgia. Then I think it's LSU-Auburn in Florida, kind of in that cluster. Then I think you get into that, you know, maybe Texas A&M. Um, Missouri, you know, um, you go to the bottom and it's Arkansas and it's Tennessee. Um, then I'd, um, I'd put Vandy and Ole Miss. You know, and then you got kind of the South Carolina, Kentucky, and Mississippi State kind of in that that. I would put in in tiers. I'd put Alabama, Georgia in a tier. I'd put LSU, Auburn, Florida in a tier. LSU at that top. Then I'd put A&M and Missouri in a tier. And I'd put South Carolina, Kentucky, Mississippi State in the tier. Um, then I'd put Ole Miss, Vandy, Tennessee, and Arkansas in a tier. Kind of how I see the conference right now. And it's early. It'll it'll change, and we'll we'll see how things play out this week. Uh, A&M can get good running game, everything against Arkansas. Vanderbilt, listen, not a given against Northern Illinois, but I think they get back on track. It'll be a blowout, Alabama, hosting Ole Miss. Florida's hosting Townsend before they get into their schedule. The two games that are most intriguing, Mississippi State always plays Auburn very well. That'll be a little bit intriguing. We'll see how that plays out. Um. But I like Auburn here. Kentucky, South Carolina. I think this is a must win for South Carolina. I just think 
the season becomes a disaster if they start losing a game like this. They're at home. I think they take care of business here. It's been a tough stretch. Uh, I don't know that there's a climate for Ray Tanner to want to fire Will Muschamp. I think they're frustrated. I think it's setting up next year if Will returns to be a, a pivotal year with perhaps an easier schedule. But th- there's not been the type of improvement and development. They don't play smart football week in and week out. And I didn't expect them to go on the road and beat Missouri. The fact that they were not even competitive is alarming. Losing to Kentucky, a team that's struggling to try to find their way, injuries at quarterback would be would be quite disturbing. Hey, if you've got a question that you want me to address here, go to LandryFootball.com, hit Contact Chris, send it to me, and say, hey, address it on the SEC show or the Big Ten show or whatever you want me to do, and I'll address it. Um, want to remind you again to check out our other conference podcasts, part of the Big Three Roll-Up Network, and check out LandryFootball.com for all the latest in-depth breakdowns around the world of college football and the NFL. And check out our great discounts that you can become involved with this football season. And and right now we're going to get a chance uh, here at the end of this podcast to get TJ's takes. Uh, TJ Pittenger, uh, obviously the brains behind this development, this operation. Uh, He's got some hot takes on Florida A&M and Auburn. Hey, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, And be sure to join us next time on another edition of the SEC Football Show as part of the Big Three Roll-Up Network. Hey, guys. Yeah, so this is CJ's Take. This is a little bit of a different format than we've had the last several weeks. We kind of let Chris do the breakdown and the preview, and then I'm going to kind of come in here and and give my take. Uh, We're going to test this out. We're going to try this. Let us know what you think. Let us know kind of how you like the flow. We just kind of thought that the flow might be a little bit better if we separated this out. Um, but certainly, you know, give us your feedback and, and let us know because, you know, we definitely appreciate that. I'll be real brief. Uh, just a couple of kind of notes and, and things that kind of crossed my mind. Obviously, Georgia um, didn't have their offense very high power, just 13 points through three quarters, but they were able to get uh, a win against the top 10 team, a, a number seven Notre Dame that came into Athens. Notre Dame played them well last year. Ian Book, um, you know, had a lot of pass attempts and, and really didn't complete. Uh, the number that he probably would have liked to, but at the end of the day, you know, is a is a good quarterback and had Notre Dame in contention, had them in it very late, and uh, Georgia was able to pull out a win. At the end of the year, they, you know, will count that as a as a great win for Georgia, you know, if they go into the playoff with with one loss like we've seen them um, do recently, you know, so it's it's very possible. Um, LSU, you know, their their offense looks legitimate and looks really, really good. You know, I would say take things with a grain of salt, giving up 38 points to Vandy. Uh, but but LSU looks really, really good. Obviously, Bama's great. Um, Auburn, who we talked about having a very difficult schedule and how Malzahn probably had three or four scheduled losses on that Um on that schedule. Well, he's gotten through the first two really, really tough ones to to beat um, a number 11 ranked Oregon team, and then to beat a number 17 ranked Texas A&M team. Um, both close games, both hard fought. 
um, is really, really impressive. Auburn is going to beat Mississippi State this week if if it's not a look-ahead game. And then they've got a lot. They've got several more tough games. They could still have four losses on this schedule. Uh, They go to number nine, Florida, who Florida may be a little more highly ranked going into that matchup, but definitely going to be a top 10 matchup against Florida in two weeks. And then they, two weeks after that, I'm sorry, three weeks after that, they have a bye in between. They go to LSU, who's going to be a top five team in all likelihood. Then two weeks after that, they go to, I'm sorry, three weeks again after that, they go to UGA. Um, Again, very tough matchup there. And then obviously they finish up with Alabama. So uh, Auburn has several tough games remaining, but they've gotten through two tough ones. They have four really, really tough ones left. And so we'll kind of see how they can finish up. I think there's an outside chance of them going two and two in those. Um, But I think if they lose to Florida, they're going to lose all four. So they really need to beat the Gators. um, And then we'll kind of see how their schedule shakes out. Malzahn, I don't know if he saved his career just yet, because if he loses all four of those and they go eight and four, I don't know how happy they are. But you can't ask for any better of a start than to beat two ranked opponents in four weeks. Um, Jimbo Fisher does a great job as far as in-game coaching. I don't think that they're as talented as uh, Auburn is. You know, but you know, to have them in the game was was impressive. But Auburn winning it is obviously more impressive. So um, after that, I mean, we talked about Florida. Kyle Trask looked really good, made a couple of bad decisions, but at the end of the day, throwing seventy five percent of your passes for completions and then going for just under three hundred yards could have been easily three fifty if not for a couple of boneheaded plays by receivers. Two touchdowns, you get a thirty four to three win. Game never in question. Uh, Florida looks for real. Their schedule, again, is, is, is tough like Auburn's is. They're going to have to um, play Auburn at home in two weeks. they got to go to LSU, play Georgia as well. And and so, you know, some tough games there. I think they do get the road win, you know, at home against the Seminoles in the later part of the year. But you never know in rivalry games. Um, but the Gators look like they're for real. Didn't really look like they missed a beat with Trask. In fact, they may look a little bit better. So... Really impressive to see them do that. And then Missouri, after really struggling week one and and losing to Wyoming, has rebounded with three straight wins. Big blowout win against um, South Carolina in Columbia, Missouri. And so they look like they are setting themselves up well to get back into, you know, if not a national landscape, then then maybe kind of compete with Florida for that, you know, second place in in the East behind Georgia. You know, do think they're going to be the third best team in the East either way. But uh, Missouri schedule lines up really, really well, and their matchups against Georgia and Florida are going to be really, really interesting to see if they can kind of compete for that second spot. Um, Kelly Bryant didn't look amazing, but you know had some had some good good plays and uh, really kind of beat down on a not as good South Carolina team. So this week in the SEC, um, the matchups are not you know, overly impressive. I do want to kind of keep an eye on Mississippi State, Auburn, Mississippi State got them last year. So that's definitely an interesting to watch. Uh, I think Alabama blows out Ole Miss and I think Texas A&M rebounds against Arkansas. So uh, will be interesting to watch. We appreciate you guys kind of tuning into the SEC net, the SEC network, the SEC football show. Um, you know, if you guys have any questions for us, you can tweet at SEC football show. We're looking at a little bit of rebranding, so that may change just a little bit. Um, but we'll definitely keep you guys updated. If you have any questions, please let us know. If you'd like to partner with us, you can email me, tj at big3rollup.com. And we appreciate you guys' support and listens. And if there's anything we can do, let us know. And we'll see you back here, same time, same place, next week on the SEC Football Show.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.